Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. Food, food definitely plays a big part in Jewish life. So much of our celebrations of Jewish holidays and Shabbat revolves around food. And the Torah talks a lot about food. Last week uh, I was talking about the, the animal sacrifices, many of which were actually used for food. And I mentioned that for some people maybe animal sacrifices seem so cruel and harsh and barbaric, but that I hinted at the fact that actually uh, modern factory farming methods of animals are, are, are potentially way more barbaric. So today we're going to talk about food, Jewish food, some of the values and ethics that we have around that food, and um, what is being dubbed by many as the new Jewish food movement, which is actually in some sense a, a return to some older values, even perhaps values that are that are here expressed in the Torah around food. And I'm, I'm very thrilled to be joined by Farmer Becca, as she's known by many. Um, proud to be in a Jewish community that has the only JCC in the world with a full-time director of farming and sustainability. And she's sitting here with me, Becca Weaver. And um, she is that person. She is the director of farming and sustainability <laughs> at the board of JCC. So um, it's great to have you here, Becca. Do you want to just start by just telling us some of the some of the things that are, that are happening there i will say by the way the board of jcc is right across the street from 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 my synagogue uh, bonnet shalom yeah and we have um we're also in your backyard right over there are some goats and space for chickens <laughs> um that we right. raise together as a community yeah i think you know the we've gotten to really take on connecting with our food in a deep way here in Boulder um, through through a Jewish lens and making food be a way that people connect also to Judaism. So using food as a Jewish lens to connect um, to our culture and our faith. And so we're fortunate at the JCC to have actually a lot of people who are really excited about the project. And so we took some energy that started a long time ago, not a long time ago, but what, six, seven years ago, I think, yeah, especially like with um, some of your work, um, where people started raising goats and chickens together cooperatively um, on this land that was going to be the future JCC and future Jewish commons. And those people have not stopped doing that. And so... Now we also are building a really cool new barn um, to house the goat co-op called Beit Izim and the chicken co-op. Um, Base Tarnagol was the name of it at one point. Right. Um, and we also have this really neat greenhouse that's a geodesic dome where we have tilapia that we're raising in a tank and also a whole lot of vegetables. And then we have space where we're going to be growing vegetables this spring just for donation as a project to be able to build community and um, have people connect with each other while they're working and also do a tzedakah project together. Great, great, great. So 
I want to just ask you a little bit more about when you said that for some people, um, connecting th to animals and connecting to food helps them connect to their Judaism. Like, how? Like, is it, <laughs> what's really Jewish about this? What is Jewish about it? <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, our tradition in so many ways is a very is a tradition that's based in physicality. Um, and we, there's so many different customs that originally came from or different laws that are informed by agricultural practices and food practices. And so in one sense, it's a connection using food to be able to connect into our text, which can be really abstract in today's world and it's not as if like studying Torah necessarily has an immediate physical benefit or connection but food and and I think farming we, it's we use our whole body and our whole senses um, and so we experience I think it's a way to actually experience our tradition and our culture um, much of which has this rooting in food and, and agriculture. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'll just pick up and say that indeed the Torah is clearly written for a primarily agricultural, land-based um, culture and society. And, and there are many, many laws and traditions that do seem to be talking about the way we treat our animals, the way we treat our workers, the way we treat the land itself, the way we kind of support local economies, the way we support um, the poor and the vulnerable who are in our community, who have like access to, to common land and can come and, and take from the corners of our fields and so on. So I'm assuming that in, in part you're, you're thinking of, of those things when you talk about connecting to, to traditional Jewish values. And I think those values now are especially important to connect to. Um, given the like climate change and you know industrial globalized society that we've created for ourselves yeah I mean it's so interesting I uh, it, you know in in, uh, in 2015 you and I had the opportunity to be in the White House together and and, and uh, we heard from lots of um, the, the, the the climate change um, people who were uh, Obama appointees in the White House at that time and, and then I later on got to meet some people from the USDA, mm. the, 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 you know, the United States Department of Agriculture. And what stunned me, I mean, first of all, the size of that department is huge. But what stunned me was when Abraham Lincoln founded that department, it was not called the Department of Agriculture. It was called the Department of, of the People. Right. Because 80% of Americans back then were farmers. And now we have a tiny dwindling percentage. Yeah, less than 2%. Yeah. Yeah, less than two percent of the population of farmers, and so we are, as as the, the 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 writer Wendell Berry said, we've become farmers by proxy. We just we just have kind of outsourced the growing of our food and the producing of our food to others, and we seem to be happy as a culture to go to a supermarket and you know buy some vegetables we don't, without really knowing or even perhaps caring where they came from, and buying meat that's you know in styrofoam and cellophane and got no relationship to the animal that it came from. So, so we. It's definitely part of that movement. I mean, which is, I think, quite big here in, in the, the, this part of the world where we live anyway, regardless of the Jewish community. But it just seems like the Jewish community here is really 
kind of tapped into that as being a way to create community connections, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and it's amazing, too, when, you know, as a chicken co-op, for instance, we we decided to raise the chicks all together um, unsexed for eggs, but that meant that we had a lot of roosters that we had to process, is <laughs> the euphemism, um, but we raise these um, chicks in order to eat their meat. And, you know, it's interesting how some people connect, some people won't be able to eat that meat because it's, they've been too close to it and know where it comes from. And other people only want to eat that meat if they've, they understand where it comes from. And I forgot where I was going. (laughs) No, but that's really, I mean, I think that's a really, a very real issue. I remember years ago when Nigel Savage, who I've spoken to on a, on a former podcast the the founder and now president and CEO of Hazon he they slaughtered a goat at a big food conference and and there were a group of people who only ate who normally don't eat meat at all but ate some of it because they had seen the animal slaughtered and there was an equally large number of people who who normally did eat meat but didn't eat it for the same reason so there's something about for some people having that visceral relationship to the animal um, makes them want to be part of it and some people they want to go very far away from it you know I'm in the category by the way I mean I I've had the opportunity many times to eat meat from animals that I have known and have been raised ethically and locally and and slaughtered locally and and I have found myself not wanting to eat it and then I I figured for myself if I don't want to eat that kind of meat then how can I eat meat and I'm I'm not at this point in my life I don't think unless it was like absolute extreme survival I don't think I'm capable of killing an animal and so I'm choosing not to eat animals, but it's great to be involved. And I'm a member of both. Actually, I'm, I was a member of the chicken cult, but we're starting our own chicken cult, as you know, here. But I've been a member of the goat cult for years. And there's something about every Sunday morning going out there to those beautiful animals that have just become like part of our family here, part of our community. And to be, you know, just hanging out with them and milking them and love drinking them. In fact, mm-hmm. we're both sitting here drinking tea with fresh goat milk that was milked by me on Sunday morning. Um, there's something very powerful about having that kind of access to to um, producing ourselves with our, own, with our own hands, right? Yeah, and I think that that, that that connection also allows us to make more conscious and informed buying choices and become more conscious consumers. That, you know, part of why we've why we have this big industrial food system is because only 2% of people or less than 2% of people are farming. So most people don't have those connections to the animals anymore. They, a lot of people still have a connection to a pet, but it's a different type of connection with an agricultural animal. Yeah. And that again, I mean, to, to sort of labor a point somewhat, but like, you know, even though it, it seems this sort of bloodbath that was the, the ancient form of Jewish practice with the, with the animal sacrifices. I mean, these were animals that people were raising themselves. They were part of the family and they were bringing them and, and caring for them. And they were, you know, practically members of their family. And, and they were, right. um, you know, they were being slaughtered. But it, it, it's, it's so different to the sort of, you know, this mass uh, factory farm. I mean, I mean, do you, I mean, what, you know, let's talk a little bit about what, what Judaism says about that, about like treatment, treatment of, of animals and how, how we can justify factory farm meat. 
Do we want to go there? I don't, I don't know. know how we can justify it. <laughs> <laughs> we do have our... But, but a lot of kosher meat does come from a factory. Yeah, so well, it's, it's, it's interesting. Kosher, right? right. Well, the laws of kosher have nothing to do with the laws of ethical treatment of animals. Right. Like kosher doesn't... The traditional laws of kosher don't include that. Unless you take, you know, the actual method of slaughter as being a humane way... Um, to, Which many would argue it is. I right, mean, exactly. It's the idea that it has to be an incredibly, incredibly sharp knife and it's a one very clean cut on the jugular and it's instant death. And so there's not meant to be suffering. Right. And yet it's more about the way the animals are processed and raised, right? Yeah. Yeah, Tsar Bale Chaim the, is the prohibition against... Or what is... Tsar means distress or, or suffering. Okay. And... Um, and Ba'alei Chaim literally right. means living creatures. So it's about the... The prohibition the against of, distress. Law, yes. Of against animals. causing suffering to to living creatures. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is It is really interesting that traditional laws of kashrut and eating don't include the other sets of laws that we have around the ethical treatment of animals and um, the values we have around stewarding the earth and tikkun olam and not wasting and, you know, that there's like that disconnect. How, how do you explain that? I don't know. You're the rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's because the the cultures in which those laws evolved couldn't have imagined anything different. Right. I think they were, they were living completely in integrity with the land, with the earth. And it's only post-industrialized society that has had to reshape it because, you know, just the level of economics and you know, right. capitalism and we want to feed as many people as we can. And so, you know, Jewish communities have sort of gone along with that rather than resisted it until now, I think. Yeah. And there is a sort of disruptive quality to this to this stuff, right, that we're, that we're doing together. I mean, but what about, um, what about workers? I mean, because that, again, is seems to be such a core value of, of Torah, right? Yeah, to treat your workers well. Um, and today we don't treat our farm workers very well. We haven't really been treating farm workers well for a really long time in this country. We yeah. started with slavery. Um, and then there's been a long history of different immigrant groups filling that the, the void of being a farm worker and not getting treated very well. And then some law or amazing, you know, leader coming in and getting rights back for work for farm workers. And then it's sort of spiraling downhill again. Yeah. This week, or I guess when this podcast comes out, it'll be last week, but <laughs> Cesar Chavez Day on um, March 31st is something that President Obama put in place for our country. And I guess in Colorado, it's an optional holiday, just found out. But, yeah. you know, really being able to elevate the farm worker move rights mm. movement um and that is something that we have very explicit instructions for from our from our good book <laughs> for sure i mean ma mainly around making sure you pay a fair a fair and timely wage to the workers but i you know it's just an, it's amazing that we are so our culture has become so um okay with eating produce that we have we have no idea how, how the workers, the farm workers were treated. And so often they are, you know, migrant workers, undocumented workers, and they're, they're 
practically enslaved enslaved conditions. In um, when I was out studying at UC Santa Cruz, we learned that the average strawberry picker lives till age thirty nine. Whoa, that's, that's like the lifespan that one can expect as a strawberry picker. Oh, and it has a lot to do with like immigration yeah. and those issues as well. Um, but <laughs> and yeah. we don't really know about that in yeah. this country. Yeah. Or else we wouldn't be buying strawberries year round from California. Or maybe we would be, but we'd be demanding yeah. something else. And I guess that's another part of it too: is 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 having lost touch with the the, the cycle of the land. That you know, the whole kind of. Um, eating locally seasonally because we we again we've become so used to just you know i think back in the day if people were making a dinner they would see what they see what they had and they would plan a menu and now we decide what we want to make and we go to the supermarket and buy it because we know we can buy anything all year because it's imported from all over the place and i mean how is this well and that's another fun connection that we can make to our jewish holidays is like if we look back at Um, Some of the origins for the different, you know, especially pilgrimage holidays that we had, it was based on, based around the agricultural cycle and what the foods were. Yes. Um, And so that's a pretty fun way to connect also back to the holidays. Even in Colorado, we can do things that like, you know, connect us to the land of Israel and the different um, agricultural seasons of the holidays that we're in. Yeah. Let's talk just for a second. We're going to wrap up fairly soon, but talk for a second about the the, the CSA movement, community supported agriculture, because that's also been a big part of this project, you might say, for our Jewish community here in Boulder, right? What, oh, yeah. what, what do you want to say about that? Well, we, um, I wasn't living in town at the time when the Two Far at CSA connection started, um, but you were. And <laughs> <laughs> I was. Yeah, you know, and I think it's a really, so the, we now call it the Interfaith CSA because. Um, there's a group of organizers who help connect different faith groups to being part of a community-supported agriculture program with our local farmer, um, which we connect with Red Wagon Organic Farm, Amy and Wyatt, and are the We two, love Amy and Wyatt. We love them. <laughs> and they work super hard. And they're, you know... I've I've heard Amy say so many times that the Tufa Arts connection has been so important to her business and to her morale as a farmer, to have the connection with a group of people that really mm. believe in her and her business and want her to succeed um, has been really crucial for yeah. her and the business. And, you know, and because of that connection, um, there's a Sukkot program um, out on the farm and a few people build a sukkah out there and a bunch of young kids come out for hay rides and crafts and um, festive songs. Um, and, and you know, I've heard um, one friend say that their kids eat vegetables because he says, you know, you know who grew that? It was Amy and Wyatt. And yeah. their kids are, oh, it was our farmers, Amy and That's Wyatt. Great. There's a great book by uh, Michael Pollan, the become pretty famous food writer called in defense of food and he has a line here which i love which is shake the hand that feeds you <laughs> you know shake the hand that feeds you we that's for me been been a real treat like getting to know these wonderful farmers and know that they are the people growing you know at least for for the growing season growing that food so there's a lot happening here and i just you know i think the invitation that comes with this discussion to those of you listening the the invitation is you know, most of us eat 
multiple times every day and uh, and it's a very Jewish concept to not only express gratitude for the abundance of our lives and for the food that we have and some of us do that with saying blessings before and after the food but to really think about the the impact that that food has had on any animals that were involved in its production on the workers that that uh, grew it and produced it and of course on the land itself and um, we, we're hoping that to get together here at the Boulder Jewish community we've helped uh, raise awareness of those issues and that we eat more healthily and more consciously and really with a lens that, that looks back to our tradition so really the, the so-called new Jewish food movement is actually an old Jewish food movement. Anything you want to say in, in closing, Becca? It's been great talking to you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think those concluding words were great. <laughs> <laughs> so eat well, eat healthily, and uh, love the land, love the farmers, love the animals. <laughs> Thank you for listening to A Dash and Drush. 